Bruchim Aboyim B'Shem Hashem Berachnuchim B'Vez Hashem Welcome everybody to our weekly Wednesday night share We mean weekly Baruch Hashem This week We begin Chumash Dvarim We love that Chumash Because we have no way of pronouncing it in English Deuteronomy or something Deuteronomy Yeah, do whatever you want Okay, shh it's a dance probably but whatever you want to call it it's Chumash Dvarim it's the fifth Chumash known as Mishnah Teira we know that the Chumash Dvarim Meisha Rabbeinu repeats all that was said before and we've spoken previously about when we started Chumash Dvarim that Chumash Dvarim is although one of the five Chumashim of the Teira it is not counted as one of the five yet. Ah, figure that one out, huh? Good. We keep throwing riddles out like this, we're going to become a game show instead of a shir. Um We know that a, a get, if a person has to give a get to his wife, a get is 12 lines. The reason it's 12 lines is because between the Chamashim, there are spaces. Between Bereshis and Shemais, there's a space. Shemais and Vayikra, there's a space. Vayikra and Bamidba, there's a space. There are three spaces. Each one is a space of four lines. Three times four are twelve. So then right away the question gets asked. Between Bamidba and Dvarim, there's also four lines. So it should be sixteen. And the answer is because Dvarim is Mishnah Teira. It's a repetition of what we've already learned before. And therefore... It's not counted in that space. The space is not counted. <coughs> this Shabbos is also known as Shabbos Chazoin. Chazoin Yeshayahu Ben Amoitz. It's a Haftada. The Shabbos is named after the Haftada, which is the Haftada, the Sephardic of Chazoin Yeshayahu, where Yeshayahu reprimands the Jewish nation in quite a severe form. The reprimand is very severe, yet, as we know that it's words of Teda, it's words of an Avua, of a prophecy, therefore, we understand that we have to be able to grasp where this is coming from the Baal Shem HaKadosh Yisrael Baal Shem Tov had many students and we've mentioned many times the, the prized student of the Baal Shem Tov Nine days for this year, yes, we get Shalach Manas. Chocolates. Amazing. Okay. We don't eat these things on the Shoshana because they, they accumulate saliva. So too during a year you don't eat it because you'd be drowning in saliva throughout the year. Amongst the Talmidim, Hashem, the most famous of the Talmidim was Rav Wolf Kitsis. 
And if you go to Mezhibus, if you travel to Mezhibus to the cave of the Balshem you will see that Revolt Kitsis is buried side by side with the Balshem Um Yes, I was enlightened as well when I saw it. Until that time, I did not know. Nobody ever told me about it. Nobody ever. I've heard many stories of Revolt Kitsis with Balshem but until I showed up in Mezhibush and walked into that oil of the Balshem and I, here I was standing in awe of being in front of the Holy Balshem and what threw me off, what literally almost took away the whole the whole experience, was seeing Revolt Kitsis next to him. <coughs> I won't tell you that as much as we heard about the Balshem we heard about Revolt Kitsis. But obviously, but the Volk Kitsis was a very, very, very big chassid, a high-ranking chassid apparently by the Basham to the extent that he's buried side by side with the Basham. The Volk Kitsis had a daughter to marry off. In those days, I mean, unfortunately, many people base this on fiddle on the roof, but in those days, you went to the Shatchan, to the matchmaker, and you told the Shatchan you needed a Shidduch for your son or for your daughter. And the Shatchan was always a very talented fellow, a woman. And they said the way he looks and the way she sees, they're a perfect match. And they would put things together that were chalk and cheese. But they put them together, they went zest together, and they, these people got married. And they lived Baruch Hashem for many, many, many years. You got your, you're causing an echo here with your thing. Every week the same story. No, because you called me back. I forgot to know. Echo down. Echo down. Eliminated. There we go. That's the ma- magic of text. The <laughs> Wolf Kitsis need to marry off his daughter. But one of the problems the Wolf Kitsis had, actually one of the things he didn't have, was money. He did not have a penny to his name. He was a literal pauper that lived off spirituality. Go marry off a daughter. We know what a dad. We know what a dad is all about. The dowry and the this and the that until you get anywhere. Can Zangrace and Can Andy? No. The both kids has to marry off his daughter. He came in one day. He was called into the Balshemah Kaddish, and when he came in there, in the Balshemah's office was standing the Shatchan and he had his list of boys and the Vashem says choose a boy the Wolf says how could I do that a wedding but the Vashem was insistent and Sarah Wolf looked at the list and said boom this boy Vashem said it's a very very wealthy family Vashem said to the Shatchan, go travel to that town and make the Shidduch. But what happened is the Shatchan would come in, would knock on the door of the prospective boy or girl, and would say, I have the perfect match. He would present the case. They would say Mazel Tov, they would shake hands, they would say Lachayim. And the boy and girl never had to see each other. Ha! If that we could do that today, Halavai, Halavai. Um, unfortunately today between the scrutinies and the research and the resumes and the 
the Steyuxen, the pedigree, and the everything else that goes through before you do a Shidduch, the FBI and the CIA don't know so much about the boy or the girl. It's amazing. The IRS does. IRS does. And so, the Shatkin traveled to the town and he said to have the Shidduch this year, Revolve Kitsis. He has a daughter, you have a son, Shalom, Mazaltov. They said, oh, they said Mazaltov, they said Lachayim. And the Shidduch was made, they shook hands. Look, Revolve was a little bit traumatized by this because when he came back to Shatkin, he also brought back a message besides saying Mazaltov that the family has, is requesting a dowry of 2,000 rubles. Small fortune. 2,000 rubles. The wolf was hyperventilating, to say the least. But, this is what the Vashemtav insisted on. Now there was a tradition that as soon as the Chasen Kala became Chasen Kala, the Kala would send certain gifts. There was a list of time spread between the, the engagement and the wedding. And during that time, at each interval, certain gifts had to be sent. Kala had to send to the Chasen certain gifts. The first interval came about, the first time frame, and no gifts arrived, obviously, because they both hadn't had a penny to do so. So the groom's father immediately sent a letter to Evolve. What happened to the gifts? Nothing showed up. No, Evolve went to the Bashemtiv. The wolf went to the Bashemtiv and uh, he told the Bashem, he showed the Bashemtiv the letter. Bashemtiv shrugged. Two weeks later, another letter shows up. We still have not received any gifts, and the guy was not happy. Again, he went to the Bashemtiv, and again the Bashemtiv just smiled, shrugged. When the third letter arrived, it said either the gifts, and you didn't a you didn't send gifts, and b you don't even respond. If I don't hear from you with a certain time frame, the shidduch is off. <coughs> he didn't know what to do. Go to the Bashantav. How do you walk into the Bashantav? How do you tell the Bashantav? Am I, I going to threaten the Bashantav? He comes into the Bashantav and he brings him. Oh, excuse me. He's going to start walking to the Bashantav with his letter and he's quite traumatized. And uh, a man stops him in the middle of the road. Just tell me. Where is the holy Baal Shem Tov? He says, You know, you're in luck, I'm on the way there too. Come. So these two gentlemen, with their heads down, looking despondent a little bit, walked side by side to the Baal Shem Tov. They entered the Baal Shem Tov's office, they entered the, the house, the shul, whatever, the Baal Shem Tov, and they're both ushered into the Baal Shem Tov. Hashem asked them both to sit down. And the newcomer, whom the Hashem turns all his attention to, the Hashem asks, may I tell you a story? Pell said, sure. So the story is as follows. 
telling like a story in a story, right? Um, a man had traveled, a Russian man had traveled to Prussia and did a wood business and lumber and wood, whatever he did. Made himself a very, very, very nice amount of money. He made about 40,000 rubles. And started to travel home. On the road, they get into the forest, and they get into the forest, all of a sudden the wagon stops. Now this guy, sitting tuck in a wagon, is not very comfortable. He had his fortune of 40,000 rubles under the seat, and he'd fallen asleep on top of it. And um, the wagon stopped. So he starts to call out, and the wagon driver is not answering. He opens the door and he steps out of the wagon to ask the wagon driver what's going on, and the wagon driver hits him from the back of the head and throws him up against the tree. It's okay, now you're going to give me all the money. He starts to cry and to beg and to plead, What are you doing? I hired you, and this is how you're treating me. The fellow ties him to the tree. He says, you're going to give me every penny. Kid said, the man has no choice, and he tells him where the money is. He says, please at least leave me half. Leave me half. You take half. You're going to make half. You still have a fortune. 20,000 rubles. Boom, boom. Nothing doing. He wants the whole money. He wants the whole money. Mm -hmm. And the Bashemtev, excuse me, and then the man, the wagon driver, gets on the wagon and starts ready to drive off. Ready to drive off. Then he stops and he gets off the wagon and says, What am I crazy? I'll drive off and leave you here alive. You'll find me. You know who I am. You'll tell and I'll be finished. So, I have to kill you. Please, and he's begging and pleading, Don't plead, don't kill me, don't kill me. And he says... I'm going to be generous, I'm giving you 10 seconds. And he starts to count 10, 9. In the meantime, the guy is going through his head, he says, save me, I'll give 10% to Tzedakah. Save me, I'll give 20%. Rebbeinu save me, I'll give it all the way to Tzedakah. As the guy is screaming the numbers, 6, 5, it's the middle of the forest, who's going to hear it? All of a sudden, there's a gunshot. He turns around and he sees the owner, the guy who patrols or owns this land was standing there with a gun and he says I heard the noise I came to investigate and I see it's not good well, needless to say the gun after the, the wagon rider runs away and the man gets untied and the man was freed and went home with his money man was married he was blessed with a son and a daughter Baruch Hashem he was very wealthy now, he kept making more and more money. But for some reason, he forgot his promise. And not only he forgot his promise, when people came to the door, he was not very generous. He always had an excuse and a reason not to give tzedakah. Finally, Shvakenim Gedacht, one day, Hashem is telling this fellow the story, one day the daughter died daughter got ill and died and the man forgot still about his vow 
time went by and the son fell ill from the same illness and the man got very nervous and didn't know where to turn and heard about Rabbi Shalom Baal Shem Tov, that's how he tells it and he showed up at my door mm-hmm. and the man jumps up and starts to scream he says that's me that's my story I came here now because my son is vacating me because Hashanah said I'll tell you the truth mm-hmm. you made a vow you didn't keep your vow you don't have to give the whole thing away the original vow was 10% 4,000 ruble take it out and give it to this man sitting next to you because this man had already invited both kids this, oh excuse me I forgot I left out that when the third letter came he did tell the Hashem about it Hashem told him invite them tell them to come to us tell them to come to Mezhibuzh to be here with me a little bit before the wedding and when he when he got this letter saying that they're coming that's why he came now to the Hashem because he didn't know what he was going to do with the money so here the money was given to him in his hand Shabbos Chazoyin Levi Yitzchak Barditchev said if we look properly and we merit we will see the third Beis Hamidash we will see the third temple which is built in heaven and the Moshul that is brought down is of a king that a king, a wealthy man who bought his son a beautiful, beautiful suit and the child went out in the suit and was running around a little rowdy fell and he tore the suit and soiled the suit so the father took pity on the child and took him to the tailor and measured him for a second suit and the child again repeated the same thing he fell, he soiled and destroyed the suit finally the father took him to the tailor a third time had a suit tailored for him took the suit put it in a bag and hung it in the closet and said my dear child when you show you're fit and ready to wear a suit and that you know how to behave in a suit the suit is yours and so too says the Bajajira with the Beis Hamikdash the Bayes Rishin the Bayes Shani like the first and second suits we misbehaved we didn't we misappropriated we didn't do what we had to do we didn't live the life we had to live we weren't doing the things that we were supposed to they brought Rahman al idols into the Besamikdash they were the sinaschinim that went on the hatred that went on and all the other things that went on now the truth is we look back in retrospect and we let reflect we weren't there in those days, obviously. But they had kings. They had rulers. They had leaders. They had kings. What went wrong? What went wrong with a nation that should suddenly decide to go so astray? We learn, according to, during the three weeks, we learn about the Beis Hamikdash. We learn the Hilchas Beis Habachira. 
And we learn about the beauty, the enormity of the Beis Hamidash. It was, it stood a hundred by a hundred. It stood high. It was seen up on Harabayis. The glory of the Jewish nation. If you walk in today to a beautiful shul, you're awed. You're awed by the shul. Now, you can walk into a beautiful shul and say it's gorgeous, it's beautiful, but not feel spiritual about it. You don't get a spiritual feed. You can walk into these beautiful, beautiful shuls. Either it's the chazan, or it's the rabbi, or it's the kahal. The people that are sitting and davening properly with fervor, and not talking, and not discussing anything, and sitting with awe and respect for the owner, for the master of the house. You walk into such a shul, and you feel your oneness with God. You feel the holiness rising up. And you want to become one with that. Similarly, the other way, if you walk into a shul and everybody's sitting and talking, you're going to want to sit and talk too. But obviously, if you walk into a shul, everybody is davening so seriously and sincerely, you're obviously going to join that in and you're going to feel that spirit. How? How then was it possible that the Jews, the Jewish children, were able to bring idols into the holy Beis Hamikdash? That desecrated and did things in the Beis Hamikdash that are just unbelievable, unthinkable. Where did it come from? What were they actually? living, what life are they living when Wolf Kitsis was told by the Vashem to choose a match for his daughter he knew that the Rebbe meant it he knew the Vashem meant this and he knew the Vashem understood and had the plan how this is going to work out but he had that trepidation. He had that fear. He had that hesitation. The center insisted. He chose. He was the happiness was was semi semi sweet. It wasn't totally a joy of making a wedding. Tell the story of Shleim HaMelech where he asked, How many times did you burn down? He asked the widow. And he referred to how many weddings have you made? Widow, no, it wasn't a widow. It was a poor man, a, a tanner in the water who was tanning skins. And he asked him, How many times have you burned down? How many times, how many fires you still, how many do you still have to? And he meant, when he referred to how many times did you burn down, how many weddings did you make? Yes, a wedding sometimes wipes out a person financially. But the Kiddushi Arim, one of the Rebbes of Ger, of Chassidi Gur, said, or it was the Svasemis, that if a person would know how much the faucet of, of plentitude is open when they are making a simcha, they would buy themselves another house. 
God showers the person who actually believes and makes the simcha besimcha. When a person makes a wedding and says, I'm happy to do it, and whatever it's going to cost, it's going to have to cost, and we will do it, and we will make it, and we shall overcome it, Hashem sees to it that they do, Hashem sees to it that everything works out. Sometimes it's through a loan, sometimes it's through a gift, sometimes it's through a donation. But, it's all, as long as the person believes it's miyadcha, amleya, absucha, as long as the person believes that it's from God's hand, God sees to provide it that way. When the person has his doubts, once the suffix, the gematria amolek enters, then we run into problems. We need to understand, therefore, the Jewish nation had a leader, had kings, had Kahanim Gedalim. But they allowed Suffolk, they allowed the Amalek to enter into their system to such an extent that even though there was a holy temple and even though there was the holiness of the temple, they still had their doubts. They still had their question marks. And this ultimately translated into disaster. We'd like to also mention this Friday in Mitzvah Hashem is Hey of the yard site of the Arizal Hachai. The Arizal, buried in Svas, he passed away at 37 years old. This year's is 442nd yard site. 442 is Gematria Eved Hashem Be'ava. He served God with love. Which is, of course, apropos to exactly what we are talking about now of serving God with love. Anyone that would like to join us tomorrow night, we're going to be going to the Ohel of the Rebbe at 9 o'clock in Yetzirah. Yes, we'd like to all go to the Arizal's Mikra, that would be nice. To the Arizal's Kaver, and there will be thousands and thousands of people going Thursday evening from all over to Israel, in spite of all the flying rockets. They're going to be going and flocking to the grave of their holy Arizal in Tzvas. It is a sight that you cannot fathom nor describe. It's just, um, it's mesmerizing. The Rizal's mikveh, which is usually a very, very cold water because it's a running stream, on Hayov is warm. There are so many people going in and out. The body temperature is keep it, it feels, it's bearable. Such a bearable. It's, it's this incredible, incredible thing. Incredible experience. I, mean, I did it two or three times, and it was just something that... It's indescribable. Daddy is also known of course for the origination of the Kabbalah and many many things that we hear that we dive in Al-Qabbalah is Al-Pinusachari many people dive in Al-Pinusachari but there are different variations that people took to change different things let's go back to this week's Parsha Mishnah Tera the first parsha Chumash Devarim 
Parshas Devarim is always read on Shabbos Chazayim. It is always read the Shabbos before Tisha B'Av. The Gemara tells us in Masech Des Megillah for those keeping score at home, Daf Lamed Aleph Amid Beis Thirty One Side Two. Sefer Devarim was said. Meisha mipiatzme amru. Meisha said it himself. And Teisvis writes, the Teisvis, which is entitled Meisha miatzme amru, uberuach hakedish with ruach hakedish. The Hainu, which means in Ishtana Mishnatera Mishachum Shatera, Mishnatera is different than all the other Chemashim of the Teres we said before. Is written mipiatzme. I just like to take a little tangent. I got a phone call today from an old friend. He's a pupa satma sigit sigit. He told me this story a few months ago or a few years ago. I don't remember. And there he, today he called me and told it to me again. So I said, you know what? I'm going to repeat the story only because he told it to me. I do not give the story um, I give it my blessing but I don't give it my, any credence or very very strong concrete reasoning Mini Chabad we do not eat Sudash Dishit Shalashudas Mini Chabad is you can either have fruits or cake or even Dvatera we don't actually sit down to wash for the third Sudash However, there was one time that the Rebbe came into shul with on Shabbos afternoon after Mincha, we were preparing the benches for Seydan Gunim. They had they sing the Gunim before Ma'ariv, and then someone says a Ma'ima. And the Rebbe walked into the shul. He was holding a kvart of water in his hand towel was draped over his holy arm and he was walking to the front of the shul there was not even a bowl to catch the water in and there were not even chalas in shul it was just a magical moment and the Rebbe walked to the front the Rebbe ultimately they brought a bowl they brought chalas, we won't say how and they magically appeared. It wasn't that long. It took a few seconds. It took a minute or so. And they, the Rebbe washed, the Rebbe made a metzi, and the Rebbe said a few sikhas. This, in essence, looked like Sudash Tishit. It was basically the only time we ever saw the Rebbe wash with Sudash Tishit. So, what's the story? The story that he told me was, I mean, that story I know. I was standing there, the Rebbe walked right past me when he came in. So I know the story very well. I I get get the shivers still thinking when someone screamed to me, the Rebbe, and I turned around, the Rebbe was standing right there. Was you? I I was, I was, I still still catch my breath from it. Anyway, this fellow told me, 
that Shabbos in Miami Beach, a member of one of the, of the Chabad Shul decided he wants to start Sudash Lishit in Shul. He wants to start making Shalashudas in Shul. And the rabbi was not happy with it because we don't start our minik. He insisted, I mean, this fellow today actually has a Sudash Shabbat, a Sudash Shabbat a Shabbos meal after Shabbos davening in the morning. He hosts about 200 people every week in the Shul. For a full meal. Anyway, he decided he wants to start the Shalashudas. He discussed it with the Rav, the Rav said that. Anyway, the guy ordered vegetables and everything else. He prepared everything himself. Came after Mincha, where they usually have some Ligunim, as we said, and someone says a Maimah, or the Rav would speak, say a Sicha, whatever it was. And all of a sudden, the fellow is setting up a table. Shalashudas. Now again, like I told you, that the fellow telling me this was not a Lubavitcher. So, him, his mind's eye, this worked very well, the story. The rabbi was not happy. They pulled this wool out from under him. And they, they, they really, this is undermining him. This is undermining his jurisdiction, undermining his, everything he stands for. All of a sudden, making Shalashudas, I said, not to. No. Starting to text the people for me. No, the Shalashudas went off without a hitch, and they figured that on Matzah Shabbos there'd be fireworks because you did. You know, the rabbi is going to call this guy in. There's going to be a heavy price to pay for this. But in the interim, they called to New York and found out that the Rebbe washed that day and because the Rebbe washed that Shabbos so they felt that perhaps it was divine providence on their behalf that they washed at the same time as the Rebbe did that's not what this fellow told me this fellow told me that the Rebbe saw what was going to happen in Florida and therefore went and did something totally against his custom and washed with Shalashudas so that this should not cause a war Um, honestly I have no um, substantiality to the story this fellow doesn't know that it was Yudbe Sivan the Yudbe Sivan Fabrengen was a very special Fabrengen the Rebbe wanted to give out Kresha Bracha afterwards and the Rebbe gave out that night Kresha Bracha after Maidav after Maidav and benching the Rebbe gave everybody from his wine it is a very special moment you can look up the Fabrengen we're not going to go on to that Fabrengen right now so just to show you what concept of Ruach HaKedish is and how people understand the fellow has no connection to the Babish whatsoever except that now he davens there because he has a condominium there uh oh I ran into a problem here I don't know the internet you're on Anyway, returning to this concept, Meshe Rabbeinu said Chumish Devarim himself. The simple mind. Chas V'sholem, Chas V'sholem to say 
that Mesha himself wrote a part of the Torah, and that nothing came from God. This is all his own initiative. The Rambam says, "Aimish ain't Torah, a person who says some part of the Torah is not from God Himself, one pasuk or even one word, and to say that Mesha Himself said this, this fellow is a heretic against Torah. So much more so, says the Rambam, Sefer Shalim Batera, a whole Sefer. The whole Chumash Devarim to say it was said by Mesha, not by God. On the other hand, there's a difference between Mishnah Tera that he said to the four Svarim that I said before. We know that the Ruach HaKedish, there are many different levels. When it comes to the Nevuah, the prophecy of Mesha in general, it's known and it says, it's brought down at the end of Chumash Devarim, No prophet ever stood up like Mesha, who saw God face to face. There's no greater prophecy than the prophecy of Mesha Rabbeinu. Every word he said was Holy Spirit, the Zeruch HaKedosh. But all the other four Svarim, Breshis, Shmeis, Vayikram, Bamidbar, which are also given over, related by Mesha, but Mesha acted as a Shliach, as a messenger. And he relayed this over to Hashem. He relayed this over to the Eden, to the Jews. I don't know how we lost him. Anyway. But Sefer Devarim it says that he himself mentioned it, it was his words, as we know that it says, Shechina Midaberes Mesha. The Shechina spoke from Mesha's throat. Therefore, he was a conduit for God's words. So we can say, when he says in the Torah, in Chumash Devarim, I gave rain, I gave grass, etc. It was because the Shechina was speaking from his throat. Similarly, when it comes to Chidusha when you go to a Shir and a rabbi comes up with a new concept in Tera, or when you look in Tera, and we have the Mishnah, which is the descriptions of the Tanoim, the Gemara, the Talmud, which is descriptions of the Amaroyim, and all the Tamid Chachamim of every generation, this is all said in the name of Mesha. Because when it comes to a Chiddush, it is brought down, for those keeping score at home, Megillah, Dafyut Tesamad Beis, 19, Mesechtis Megillah, 19, side 2. Actually, I think it's around now that we're learning that in Dafyemi. That it's brought down there in the Megillah. Anything that any student of Torah 
will come to bring about a new concept was already told to Moshe in Sinai. God already gave every explanation, every concept of Tera. So therefore, every word of Tera is God's word. However, unfortunately, it has been translated down. We no longer hear it from the holy words of Mesha, who spoke God's words. It's now by lesser spiritual level people. So when we say that Chumash Devarim, in the words of Talmud Vosik, Mishnah Teda is not just a new concept of the words, but it's a repetition from everything that was said before with some additions. There are several halachas that are added in Chumash Devarim that are not mentioned before in the prior books. So through learning, say for Devarim, it's added also the understanding of the other Chumashim. And the same thing is also when it comes to the Chidushi Teda, the new concepts of Teda that are revealed all throughout the generations. Not only they have Chidushim that was not revealed in those days until now, but rather they have an addition, a little touch to them, a little finishing touch that adds to what they were before. And similarly the opposite. When it comes to Takonis, there are certain not decrees, but um, resolutions of each generation, which we know, the Zaya tells us, Ispashtusa the Mesha is spread in each and every generation. By keeping these things, not only with the body of the concept, but even spiritually, the words of God are kept through this. When does Mesha speak? When does Mesha start to explain this Chumash Dvarim? Vayhi bar shana. It was the 40th year the Jews were in the desert and Mesha began to teach Diber Mesha b'nei Yisrael. It's the beginning, this is how the Chumash Dvarim starts off. Mishnah Teira was said at the end of the 40 years on a Shvat. Mesha started to speak and he spoke for 37 days until the day of his passing. When the Jews were in the desert, though, for 40 years, they traveled with a cloud surrounding them. They had the holy food called the Mon. And they had the Be'er Miriam, the river, a little river of Miriams that gave them water. They were very, very spiritual. There was no impurity in these people. They, had, they couldn't get impurities. They were like a vessel that was totally purified. And therefore for them to accept words of Tera, for them to be able to grasp words of Tera, it came from Moshe himself. It didn't have to come through Moshe. It came from God. Now when they're going into the Holy Land, the Eretz Neshavas, they have to do with mitzvahs that are going to deal with work in it itself, planting and sowing, etc. All the other things that are told, the laws that have to be brought about now that they're coming to a land of toiling. 
Now they cannot get the Torah from the word of God. Now Torah had to come through the word of Mesha himself. Mipiatzme. From the words of the prophets. From the words of the sages. Now they started to trickle in a different fashion. And this is the way Torah goes down from generation to generation. And it encloses itself in different garments. There's no comparison to the original words of the Ten Commandments muttered, not muttered, but stated by God on the Har Sinai, to the way we hear Tera today, to the way we hear Shir today. However, this lack, this minus that we have from today's not being so spiritual and holy, has a good point to it. When the Jews came into the Holy Land, there was a full intention how this had to happen. So much so, that the reason they left Egypt was to go into the Holy Land. And they were considered what's called a Dordea. They knew that the ultimate goal was to go into the Holy Land. Similarly, he's still not on. Similarly, as the generations digress, the Medish tells us the Tachas Bias Elam is what is the reason for the creation of the world? I'm sorry, I didn't know you were still off. The reason for the creation of the world is the Almighty wanted to be able to have a dwelling place on this world. That the physical world should be a dwelling place for God. And this happens only, and most importantly, when we come into the land, into the Holy Land of Israel. When we're in the desert, then the situation is higher than nature. This is ultimately the secret of Teva Aretz Ma'id Ma'id. How great the land is. The spies came into Etzisel and they saw the land. They said, Teva Aretz Ma'id Ma'id. But it's ultimately a danger for us spiritually. It's Eretz Echeles Yishvecha. A land that eats its dwellers. And therefore Kolev answers... The land is very, very good. Twice he says, to show how great the land really is and how special everything is. That Dafka, through involving ourselves with physical toiling and physical mitzvahs, do we accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. And so also it's been a gea to the general entering of the Holy Land. And the same thing is also with the tater that comes now up to us on this world. A special entity is this tater. What is it? Because mi piatz me amru. In addition to the fact that there's nothing missing from the spirituality of this tater, there's something a plus to it. There's an addition to it that it's something that is involved with actual physical, lifelong lessons how we have to behave in the land how we have to behave on this world 
And therefore we say that these are more important yet. Because we are taught how to make a dwelling place for God. And similarly, each and every generation, as low as the generations are getting, each time there's a chiddush in Teda, each time there's a new point brought out in Teda, there's a new decree from the Rabbanon, from the sages of that generation. It all comes from a higher, higher source. Because these things are all to teach the generation, the generation how to cope with the world today and with society today. Because the bottom line is Nisava Kadish Baruchu, Lias Ladyas Barak God had a temptation to make a dwelling on this world. And Dafka through the keeping of these lessons and these commandments of these last generations do we merit ultimately the revelation of godliness and the coming of Mashiach therefore this parasha is always read before Shtishabov why? because it's Kabbalah in our we, get, we have received from generation to generation from the Ovis, the, our fathers of Chassidus the mile of this Shabbos of the three weeks each week of the three weeks of the three Shabbos of the three weeks have a mile greater than throughout the whole year like the sun and the, the light of the sun but this Shabbos is higher than all as the Semach Tzedek said these Shabbos, Shabbos come into the level of Rafua before the Makkah the healing before this, the, the illness what does this mean? the generation is taught that before any illness comes about a medicine is already set up for it and the medicine that's set up for it doesn't just make it that the, the, that the illness goes away but it totally eliminates the illness and that's how the Rifuah, this is also the Shabbosim that come about before Tishabov to bring us a Rifuah before the ultimate terrible, terrible time that we experience. On Tishabov. of all sins comes from the sin of, of the tree of wisdom this sin brought about darkness on the world until that point for 36 hours there was only light darkness descended upon the world when that sin was committed since Shabbos does not have any connection with anything bad but Shabbos a person does not sin Shabbos everybody is always spiritual and connected to God therefore the sin took place at the end of Shabbos so too similarly the Shabbosim between Shabbos and Tishabov, and Tishabov of course even if Shabbos comes out on Tishabov we're not allowed to mourn we're not allowed to be sad not only that the mitzvah is that we should be happy and we should enjoy there's no churban on the Shabbos 
more so that these Shabbosim between the Shabbosim Betamins and Tishabav are considered the Refua Kedemis Lamaka, the Refua that comes before the Maka. It has a special entity greater than any Shabbos throughout the year. That any Shabbos throughout the year is we're not allowed to mourn. But this Shabbos has a greater one to mourn about as far as it's the middle of the time that we are mourning the destruction of the temples and yet we'd stop mourning for the Shabbos. So therefore they're not only a fool before the market but they're a completion and they're a, a just not a justification, a rectification of the actual de- de- destruction of the temple. The Rebbe's father who's the outside is Chafov we'll talk about that in he was the Rav of Yakatrinislav someone once asked him they would wear slippers on Shabbos they were an Avur they asked if they are allowed to wear these shoes on Shabbos of Avelis and the Rebbe's father said no way you're not allowed to give any hint of Avelis on Shabbos. So much more so these Shabbosim between Shabbos Vitamis and Tishbav. This comes now the connection between Chumash Dvarim and the days before Tishbav. That on the outside we're looking at the Maila of Sefer Dvarim greater than the other ones as we said that they're explained by Moshe himself. Not only that they're greater because they have additional mitzvahs that are not mentioned in the other ones. And the other ones cannot be understood properly without learning ultimately from Mishdavarim. And the same thing also, these days, the Yerida, the, the, the amount that we have fallen because of the destruction of the temples, on these Shabbosim, we have the, the, the capacity to elevate them to a higher level than they could ever be. And therefore, we anticipate that there should be a havku yomim eilu l'sasein l'simcha l'shuas l'chomis l'fuas etc. And the main thing is that Achenu bnei Yisrael, our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land of Yisrael, should all be safe, and all our soldiers should return in one piece, healthily, safely, and the war should prove itself that this is Yad Yerikim El Yena that God's hand will prevail and will be above and will bring ultimately the redemption of Mashiach Tzidkenu um, just to terminate to finish Mesechtas Midois Mishnayis Midois we were learning as we said three things the Mishnayis of Midois the Sefer Yecheskel that refers to the Bayashlishi, the Perik Mem, Memalaf, Mbeis, Gimel, and Hilchas Beis Abachid in the Rambam. Mishnayis Midas finishes off in the last Mishnah. The spot in which Lishkas Hagazes, what was Lishkas Hagazes? Shamaisa, Mayim Cholazara. Excuse me, Shamaisa Sanhedrin Gedoyla. That's where the Sanhedrin Gedele sat.
they done they, they used to judge the Kohanim. The Kayan a kain that God forbid was found something was faulty he would wear dark garments and he would drape himself in dark and he would have to leave the temple if they didn't find anything wrong with him he wore white and he clothed himself in white he went in and he served him with his brothers the Kahanim not only that but when the Kahanim saw that this Kayan came to join them they knew in turn that this Kayan was deemed kosher and that he was passed by the Sanhedrin so what happened? they made a yomtiv that a psul, an impurity, an imperfect imperfection, was not found, God forbid, by the children of Arnakayim. The Kachoyim, and this they would say, Baruch HaMokayim Baruch Hu, blessed is the Creator, blessed are you. Shalainim Tzapsul B'zare Shalarin, that there was no psul found in the children of Aaron. Hu Baruch Hu, and blessed are you, Shabbacha Ba'aren, you chosen Aaron, Baruch and his children, Lamed, the Shoris of Hashem. Bebeis Kedish. He served that they should come and serve in the holy home. Bebeis Kedish Kedoshim in the holy of holies. And so we finish the Sechtes Midas with this beautiful thought of the yomtiv that was made when Jews saw that another Jew was pure and happy. When Jews found that and heard that another Jew, a fellow Jew, was righteous, that a fellow Jew was. Not God forbid any kind, any any wrong with him. This was a yomtiv by other yidden, and this is how we have to see and we have to open our eyes to in a way that we find only good in a fellow Jew. No matter what you see, no matter what you hear, no matter what you know about the person, you have to look for the good in the person. You have to accept the person's turnaround, the person's change, the person's new leaf, or the person's new attitude that he has to whatever he has and but thereby be able to look and to be happy knowing that your fellow Jew is happy that your fellow Jew is pure that your fellow Jew is going to work out and everything is going to be and we're going to be able to, we will be able to join arm in arm this Shabbos Elid Mashiach Tzidkenu and we will see the third base Hamikdash physically we won't have to be a spiritual Barditchevet to see it with our eyes as it comes down and descends upon us and we'll all be in Yerushalayim, in Akedesh. Shabbat Shalom to all. Shabbat Shalom.